Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Jules Cormier. I'm a doctor, teacher, and nutritionist, and I help people put more plants on their plates. Evidence-based nutrition gave me my life back, and I'm here to tell you all about it. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another podcast episode. Today we'll be talking about fat. We'll be talking about dietary fat, body fat, fatty acids, good fats, bad fats, and everything in between. I really enjoy doing these episodes where we get a chance of diving into the science and biochemistry of fatty acids and then zooming out and seeing how fat intake uh, affects health outcomes. So we're going to be diving deep into the biochemistry of fat and then seeing how um, we can make practical changes in order to increase the amount of healthier fats in our diets. So fat has many different faces and can go from enemy to superhero faster than you can shout keto. Uh, One day we should be eating more, the next day we should be cutting back, and no wonder why people are confused. There's a lot of controversy surrounding all three macronutrients. Carbs can be good, can be bad, and people are confused. I just recorded an episode uh, diving deep into the nutrition science surrounding carbs and what makes some good and some bad, and I'll be doing the same things for fat today. So let's start with the basics. What it is, what it does, where it is, and why some of it is great and some of it is not. So, fat is one of three macronutrients and is also known as lipids. There are many different types of lipids, just like there are different types of carbs and different types of proteins. Fatty acids, saturated or trans fats are all different types of lipids or fats, and we'll review them during this episode. Now, fat can play multiple different roles. It can provide us with energy at 9 calories per gram, to be exact. And it can also be stored in fat tissue, where it can release fatty acids when energy is required. Fat's also the main structural component of the cellular membrane, which is mainly made up of phospholipids, triglycerides, and cholesterol. So, each and every cell in our body is composed of fat. Our brain is 60% fat and made specifically from the fatty acid DHA, which also plays a major structural role in our eye's retina. So fat is required for intestinal transportation and for the absorption of the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, D, E, and K. And this is specifically why your doctor recommends taking your vitamin D supplements or your vitamin D-rich meal with the fattest meal of the day which increases your vitamin D's absorption. Now, certain fatty acids like LA or ALA, which will be reviewed in detail in the next section, are essential, meaning that they must be obtained through diet since our body can't produce them on its own. Fatty acids are then converted into compounds essential for biological functions like blood clotting, wound healing, and even inflammation. Leukotrienes or prostaglandins are also some compounds that stem from fatty acids we eat, and these play an integral part in the inflammatory and anti-inflammatory response. 
Now, the fat we eat is stored preferentially in certain fat tissues around the body. Some of them will pr protect and surround vital organs like the heart, like the bowels, and in, in some other tissues, excessive fat accumulation will actually negatively impact function, like, for example, fat stored in the liver, in the pancreas, or in the lungs. So fat exists in many different forms. And when the right types of fat are consumed in the right amounts, they contribute to optimal health. But the issue is in the modern world, where shelf life convenience and mass production and prices have become more important than nutrition and health, natural, healthy fats that are usually present in uh, whole foods, that, that foods that grow in the ground or grow on plants, have been replaced by processed and disease-promoting fats. So, how much fat is too much? Now, your daily amount of calories that are coming from dietary fat typically should fall in about the 20 to 40% range. Experts recommend about 30% since many biochemical processes, including hormone synthesis and vitamin absorption, depend directly on fat intake. So let's say your average calorie goal is about 2,000 calories per day. Multiplying this by about 30% of your calories from fat, you'd get about 600 calories from fat in a typical day. Now, since there are 9 calories in a single gram of fat, dividing 600 by 9 would be equal to 67 grams. And that would represent the amount of grams of fat that you get per day. Now, the goal isn't necessarily to limit fat intake, but to choose healthier types of fats or foods that contain proper nutrition while delivering good quantity types of fats. Now, if you remember, fat is the most calorie-dense macronutrient at 9 calories per gram when protein and carbs contain about 4 calories per gram. So, one gram of fat has more than double the calories per gram than carbs and protein have. So overeating grams of fat will more rapidly lead to excess calories. An expert agree that we should be changing the types of fat we're eating and limiting the excessive amounts we see in today's modern diets, in particularly when talking about saturated and trans fats, which are mostly found in, in animal foods and processed foods. But if you consume fat in too low of a quantity, that can also have negative health impacts since fats are associated with many vital functions. So before talking about dietary fat, let's, let's dive into body fat and what it means and what it is and what percentages are normal. So body fat represents the weight of fat tissue that you carry in your body in proportion to total body weight. So we designate that or measure it through body fat percentage. It represents the essential fat that supports many vital functions and your storage fat. Now, body fat can be measured by multiple different methods, including calipers, bioimpedance, or DEXA scanning, and even many others. The catch is still the fact that body fat percentage is not a direct measure of health but rather a small piece of the overall picture. Although excessive fat intake will usually lead to excessive calorie intake, it's excessive calories from all the macronutrients 
in total that will cause increased fat storage and increased body fat percentage, not the intake of fat alone. Remember that body fat percentage is simply one of the many markers of health, and that some people will have a normal body fat percentage but are still unhealthy. Now, what we would describe as normal ranges of body fat percentages vary from women to men and also vary depending on uh, if you're an athlete, if you're a woman trying to get pregnant, if you're a fit person or an average person. So you can go look at the body fat section of my website, plantbaseddrjules.com, where you'll find all of these charts and the normal ranges of body fat percentages according to your sex. Some people even see fat as an organ. Fat or body fat is also known as adipose tissue, which is composed mainly of a specialized connective tissue that contains adipocytes. Adipocytes is are, are, are what we call the fat cells. And that's where the, we store fat as energy in the form of lipids. Fat also insulates the body and provides protection for vital organs. And although we've always thought of adipose tissue as this inert, inactive substance, researchers confirm that adipose tissue is actually a major endocrine organ, meaning that adipocytes or fat cells produce and secrete a multitude of hormones. They produce important hormones like leptin, immunomodulating cytokines, and estrogen. Now, leptin is a hormone directly involved in hunger control. And adipocytes produce leptin in response to excess fat intake and fat storage. It's even thought that people who chronically ingest excess calories uh, from fat, like those on the standard American diet, have a decreased response to leptin. Now, cytokines are inflammatory chemicals that are produced by fat cells. Overweight and obese patients have chronically elevated levels of cytokines, which puts them in a chronic inflammatory state. This leads to the increase we see in heart disease, diabetes, cancer, arthritis, and multiple other health conditions that are more common in obese patients. Adipocytes also produce estrogen. And excess body fat is directly linked to an increased risk of hormone-dependent cancers like breast and endometrial cancers. So now it's pretty obvious that fat is far from being an inert substance. It has mechanical implications on joint overuse, arthritis, back pain, and sleep apnea, all conditions that are related to excess weight being carried on your body. But there are also previously unrecognized hormonal implications of having excess body fat or adipose tissue that are now being recognized as leading causes in increased risk of certain chronic diseases. So now that we've reviewed the different types of functions that fat can have in our body, let's shift our focus to dietary fats. So just like carbs and proteins, fats aren't created equal. Some of them have proven health benefits, while some other types of fats are known to cause harm. So now let's dive into the amounts and different types of dietary fats. So 
As we stated earlier, total daily fat intake should be close to about 30% of your calories. Too much and you risk excessive calorie intake with all its negative baggage and too low, meaning if you're less than 5-10% of calorie intakes from fat and you compromise vital functions. And on top of having specific recommendations for this, the amount of calories we should be getting from fat each day, there also exist recommendations in the amounts of calories that should be coming from the different subtypes of fats. When we're talking about the different types of fats or fatty acids, we're mainly referring to three large categories, trans fats, saturated fats, and unsaturated fats. Unsaturated fats can then be subdivided into two categories, monounsaturated or polyunsaturated. Now, the main difference between all these three different types of fats, trans fats, saturated fats, and unsaturated fats, are directly related to their chemical structure. But I'll spare you the organic chemistry course for now. In simple terms, all three types of fats, whether saturated, unsaturated, or trans fats, are all made with three different atoms. Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Now, saturated fats are saturated with hydrogen atoms and contain only single bonds between carbon atoms. On the other hand, unsaturated fats have at least one double bond between their carbon atoms. Now, the saturation of hydrogen atoms results in saturated fats being solid at room temperature, unlike unsaturated fats, such as olive oil, for example, which tend to be liquid at room temperature. Now, keep in mind that depending on the carbon chain length, we have different types of saturated fats. So, for example, we have short-chain saturated fats, medium-chains, and long-chains, and even very long-chained saturated fats. And all of them have different effects on your health. Now, saturated fats can be found in animal products like milk, cheese, meat, but they can also be found in certain plants like tropical oils, including coconut and palm oil. Now, when we're talking about unsaturated fats, remember that they have at least one double bond between the carbon atoms. So that makes them liquid at room temperature. Think of the liquid oils at the bottom of your peanut butter jar. (laughs) These are the unsaturated fats. Now, Unsaturated fats can then be further subdivided into monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. Now, the monounsaturated types of fat contain or include the omega-9 fatty acid. Now, this one can be produced by our body, so we don't need much from our diet. But there are still benefits of including omega-9s in your diet instead of saturated fat. They've been proven to decrease inflammation, improve insulin sensitivity, increase HDL, decrease LDL, which is a bad type of cholesterol, and also helps to decrease the risk of heart disease. Now, polyunsaturated fats are fats that are made up of the omega-3 and the omega-6 fatty acids. Contrary to omega-9, the omega-3 and omega-6 are 100% essential which means that they must be obtained 100% through our diet. 
Now, omega-6 are primarily used for energy, but are also used in other biological processes. Omega-3 is the real hero. It has many benefits, including its role played in the structure of our cell membranes. Omega-3s decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease, play important roles in mental health, mood regulation, weight management, and even brain development. Omega-3s help fight inflammation, they help prevent dementia, asthma, osteoporosis, and fatty liver. But here's the issue. Studies seem to show that humans evolve on a diet with an omega-6 to omega-3 ratio of 1. But our modern Western diets have a typical ratio of 15 to 1, meaning that we're eating 15 times the amount of omega-6s to omega-3s. And it's thought that this may contribute to many of the diseases that we see today, including cardiovascular disease, cancer, osteoporosis, inflammatory disease, allergic disease. Whereas increased levels of omega-3s seem to actually have the opposite effect. So with today's modern dietary habits, a ratio of maybe 3 to 1 instead of 15 to 1 is probably a little bit more realistic and desirable. Now, since omega-6 is readily and commonly found in oils and in processed foods, they're very often overconsumed. Whereas omega-3, on the other hand, is typically consumed less since we don't include omega-3 rich foods in our diets. Now, most of the issues we have with chronic disease aren't related to a high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. The issue is not that we're eating too much of certain types of unsaturated fats. We should be eating more unsaturated fats. The main issue we're having is that we eat too much saturated fats. Now, saturated fats are the bad guys. They're solid at room temperature, like butter, cheese, and even the fats seen in red meat. Now, saturated fats are pro-inflammatory and they increase LDL, which is the bad cholesterol that's the most associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, we consume too much saturated fat. Saturated fat should be limited to less than 10% of our daily calories. And if you have any personal or family history of cardiovascular disease, you may even want to consider consuming less than 5%. Personally, I try to keep my intake of saturated fat as low as possible. And as stated earlier, saturated fat is found in animal products, milk, cheese, butter, in red meat. And it can also be found in certain plants like tropical oils, like palm oil, or coconuts. Now, much in the same way that eating one apple is not going to make you healthy, eating one food containing saturated fats is not going to make you unhealthy. The issue is simply that we eat too much, too often. So just focus on singling out the foods that contain the most saturated fats in your diet and just seeing if you can reduce them and even better, replace them with foods that contain unsaturated fats like soy products, nuts, and seeds. So we've reviewed saturated and unsaturated types of fat. Unsaturated can be subdivided into monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. But let's not leave out trans fats.
trans fats are the worst. <laughs> they exist in two forms. Some occur naturally in animal foods and processed meats and dairy, and the second type comes from processed foods. Now, artificial sources of trans fats are the main problem. When we take vegetable oils and through a chemical process add hydrogen to them, called hydrogenation, we create partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. Now, this food process creates a semi-solid oil that we use in baking and in heavily processed foods like cookies, pizza, chips, uh, fried foods, uh, shortenings, and margarine. Trans fats are linked to negative health outcomes across the board. And it's no surprise that my recommendation to you would be to avoid them completely. Lucky for you that if you're already on a plant-predominant diet, you really have nothing to worry about, your intake of trans fats will be negligible. But even though the science is pretty clear on which types of fats are healthy, which we should eat more of, there is still considerable confusion surrounding fat. So in order to clear things up, let's talk about practical tips that we can apply to our daily lives in choosing fatty foods that you should be eating more of. And although fat is frequently villainized, not all fat is bad. And when you're eating the right amount of calories from fat from the right sources, fats are absolutely needed for optimal health. So let's wrap things up by talking about the foods that you should be adding to your diet. Now, foods that are rich in omega-9 fatty acids include nuts, avocados, and chia seeds. And if you're looking to increase the amount of polyunsaturated fats in your diet, which include the omega-3s and omega-6s, consider adding more nuts and seeds. Walnuts are a great source of omega-3s, as are chia, hemp, and flax seeds. Soy products are also an excellent source of unsaturated fats, and they include tempeh, tofu, edamame, and soy milk. So if you decide to remember just one thing, remember this. Good fats are good for you, and you need them to support vital functions and for optimal health. The issue isn't fat. It's the type of fat that we eat. We eat too much saturated fat, and trans fats too often, and not enough foods that contain healthy, unsaturated fats. So here's my simple take-home message. Eat less saturated fat, and eat more unsaturated fat. And to do this, reduce the amount of meat, dairy, and cheese that you eat. And to avoid trans fats, Try to minimize the amounts of baked and ultra-processed foods you eat. And to get more healthy fats, eat more nuts and seeds, legumes and avocados. Try to find a good recipe for tofu and just pretty much increase the amount of plants you eat overall. The goal is to start low, go slow, and make small, incremental, and mindless micro-choices that create as least friction with your life as possible. My transition took about 18 months, and I was able to transition to a 100% plant-based diet by making small monthly changes in my diet. Now, the plant-based transition can be broken down into four steps. 
Now, the first step is simply reducing ultra-processed foods, and that's where you'll probably get the biggest bang for your buck. Reducing ultra-processed foods can look like switching your white bread for whole wheat bread, or switching white pasta for lentil pasta, chickpea pasta, whole wheat pasta. It can look like eating oatmeal instead of ultra-processed breakfast cereal. Maybe try changing your ice cream for banana and ice cream. Or maybe try making homemade pizza instead of eating a store-bought one. Now, the second step in the transition would be to reduce processed meats and red meats. Preferably by replacing it with healthier foods like maybe white meats or seafood. But in a perfect world, you'd be replacing them with plant sources of protein, which is the third step of our transition. Try to include more plant protein in your diet, either through soy products like uh, tofu, tempeh, edamame, or soy milk. Try to include more whole grains like brown rice or quinoa, or even include more nuts and seeds like hemp seeds, for example. Plant protein is a healthier source of nutrients, minerals, phytochemicals, and contains reduced quantities of saturated fats and increased polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats when compared to animal protein. Now, the next step in the transition would be simply to increase plant variety. Now, this can be done by counting colors instead of calories. Try to eat three to five different colors at each meal. And smoothies or stir-fries or soups are great ways of including plant variety at each meal. So, Try to increase the amount of plants that you eat over time, take your time, make mistakes, learn from them, and continue progressing on the plant-based spectrum. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode on fat and dietary fat. I hope to see you again in the future. Peace! Yo, plant-based buddies, don't forget to go check out my website, plantbaseddrjules.com. That's where you'll find links to download my free recipe book, my transitioning guide, and my supplement guide for athletes. And there, you'll also find links to future live events, to my YouTube channel, my social media handles, my blog, and even my other podcast episodes. Now, stay on the lookout for my upcoming e-course where we'll be using video courses to teach you everything from nutrition science to how to cook and create amazing plant-based meals. And the best way of showing some support is by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify by subscribing and leaving a five-star review for this podcast. Right on. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.